Oh, hey. Oh, hi. And how are you this fine, muggy day? I'm not bad. I'm actually, I'm pretty good. I haven't been to like a primary care doctor in a really long time. Okay. And, uh, you know, I got like, as usual, into a, into a little bit of a debate with someone as to whether or not I actually had a primary care. Because apparently sometime during my pregnancy, the person I had seen uh, retired. And so this uh, doctor's office was like, oh, yeah, she retired. And now there's a wait list to see someone. So I can put you on the wait list. And I was like, you know, I was like, that no, (laughs) no, it's not my fault she retired. I need to to see a doctor. Anyways, I was um, a complaining white lady and I, I, uh, anyways, I got in to see somebody new and I had like, you know, a decade of shit to catch up on, which is always fun. But the reason I'm bringing it up at all is that the, one of the last times I had really been there was I went to a spinal specialist when I hurt my back and she was an incredible doctor in terms of like Western medicine, like not at all eager to do the things that most people want to do in this situation. And she was awesome. And they told me that in the interim, they've developed a new program called the Integrative Spinal Health Center, which sounds like this little group practice that has like East meets West for spine stuff. And I'm, oh, and I'm really excited to see what they're doing over there. Is it based on, like, the Prague School approach? I don't suspect that it's based on any... I don't know, is the short answer. I have no idea. Okay. Um, But I do know that there's... um, uh, You know, there's physical therapists, but also pain specialists, spine specialists, and Cairo, and that they're doing hands-on stuff, but also, like, here's your workouts. Go do them at home, and... Um, you know, when I told her I was a yoga teacher, she's like, oh yes, you're, this is where you're going. Cause she's like, physical therapy is awesome. She's like, but she's like, I have a suspicion you're already doing a lot of the things they would have you do. She's like, and I think this might be a more interesting approach. So I was just shocked that they even had it. A. Was this at MGH? No, this is at uh Harvard Vanguard. Oh, interesting. Has always been the place where I'm like. Well, I don't know. They just, they're always at capacity and they they don't seem, you know, it's not like the first place I would recommend for people to go, but I'm very surprised at this. I'll just put it that way to be gentle. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to introducing some other modalities into, into, uh, you know, getting out of pain and figuring out what's going on because yoga is wonderful and certainly reduces the amount of discomfort that I have, you know, but, but I know that there's more out there, you know? Yeah, for sure. That feels like a real good segue. (laughs) To what? (laughs) Okay. So there's two ways to segue into your new adventure. One of them is that softball I just lofted at you. Oh, okay. I see. I see. The, the other one is I've been watching the show on Netflix, Afflicted. Oh, uh, I've not even heard oh. of that. Oh, it's wonderful. It's terrible and wonderful. Afflicted, you say? But it wasn't a dream. It was a nightmare. It was real. Hey, do you know about this show? Uh, I do not. Uh, they follow around a group of people that have uh, either chronic Lyme disease, mold, or electromagnetic hypersensitivity. So basically like three massive areas where people get called um, like uh, it's psychosomatic or it's in their head. And uh, it's just super interesting. The, and I, you know, I've been reading some of the people that were featured on it wrote an article 
that was like, wow, Netflix did a super injustice to us and really made us look Looney Tunes and we're not and blah, blah, blah. So it's, yeah, it's just interesting because I wonder if we'll look back and be like, oh, yeah, that is a real thing or, oh, no, that was so not a real thing. Um, I bring it up because one of the, one of the main protagonists of the show is, uh, going to Harvard Divinity and it got me thinking about Harvard Divinity is because it was something I had explored, you know, a few years ago. As it has been something that I have explored as well. And, like, I put it down and picked it up and put it down and pick it up. And so, you know, it was just for the first time in a while I, like, picked it up again. It was just they've got some interesting orientations and, like, get to know the program type events that I might check out. And of I'll course totally I go not. with you. Would you? I would totally <gasps> go with you. My friend Wilson is going to laugh at me if I go because he's always saying, like, you're just you're going to go. Like, you don't have to go now, but, like, you know you're going to go at some point, right? Because he's in... I think is starting his last year at, at the Divinity School. Oh no way! And Jade is starting their uh, uh, second year, I think. Um, Jade Selvin is another Jade, yoga teacher in town. Jade is the individual that I have been told for years, just like on occasion, from like eight other people that we have like strangely intersecting lives, and I've never met. Interesting. Yeah, I. Uh, is Jade a, a writer? Uh, too? I believe so. Yes. Sort? Yes. I don't know. I, I can't even remember, but it's literally been multiple people that are like, do you know Jade? Cause they're also a yoga teacher. Anyway, I, I don't know. Apparently I'm always weirded out by that. Um, but of course they're there. Um, <laughs> so we should we should go to one of these events, you know. Not that I don't have my plate ridiculously full at the moment, but <laughs> okay. So um, let's pretend like we're not recording right now. I'm just sure. Uh, I pretty like we always do. <laughs> uh, I'll send you an email about one of the things coming up, but I don't think it's till like November. Oh, okay, that's great. That's great. cool. Um, uh, so talk to what about your continuing education? <laughs> so. Um, I, after a lot of discussion with my teacher, um, have decided to enroll in an LMT program, uh, which is licensed massage therapist, which is what the designation is in Massachusetts. It's different. The name is different in other states. There's like CMT and, you know, there's all sorts of different, different letters that go after people's names. But anyways, I'm going to get my massage license. It should take about a year. Um, and, uh, you know, what's really interesting is when I've been telling people, I've been getting this very common thread of like, is this your yoga exit strategy? And I'm just like, uh, no, (laughs) like what a silly, what a silly question. Um, uh, but like, there is this perception of like, oh, if I'm going to do this, it must mean that I don't want to engage with yoga anymore. Um, which, you know, there's a couple of reasons I'm doing it. First of which, if I'm really going to be helpful as a yoga teacher and specifically someone who prefers to work with people either in small group or one-on-one, um, uh, the way the people who have been the most helpful to me in terms of helping me to develop awareness of my own body and even, uh, you know, help me to uh, learn skills so I can heal uh, have been people who have combined some manner of, you know, discussion, actual asana practice and asana instruction um, and manual therapy, not as necessarily like three separate sessions, but like in, in tandem with each other. Um, so I have always in the context of a one-on-one 
though not so much in a context of a group anymore, have engaged some manner of manual technique, you know, actual verbal instruction and, you know, uh, discussion uh, and like sort of interview skills. And uh, obviously I can't advertise that I do that because of the laws in Massachusetts. Um, uh, but manual therapy has always been a skill that I have of mine that I felt is underdeveloped in comparison to the other two. And it just got to the point with my, my teacher that it would take so long for him and I to cover the amount of not only material, but also the amount of like hands-on time that a more concentrated program would, would give me. Um, oh, hell yeah. Like, it's just, it's the, it's the, one of the downsides of, of sort of learning one-on-one -on -one from somebody is like, there's a scale issue at some point, especially if there's a discrete skill like manual therapy that you're trying to, trying to learn. So, um, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm starting this at the end of September, uh, and, um, I'm really excited about it, especially because I will have my teacher to sort of like refine and augment what I'm learning along the way. Absolutely. To me, and this is a terrible analogy, but I'll use it anyways. It's like you want to ride a motorcycle, uh, but in order to do that, you, you have to also have a driver's license. Are you going to go and become a long haul trucker? No, it's a motorcycle. But yeah. in order to get there, you have to do this other thing. And the reason it's a terrible analogy is because I actually don't think that that's true. I think you could probably just get a motorcycle license, but um, that's not the case. Let's pretend that that's an effective analogy. Yeah. I think it's so exciting. When does when do classes start? The 17th, if that's a Monday. Um, but it's so interesting to me that people think that that would be your exit strategy for for yoga because anybody that knows you would know that it's not like you're like, I want to go set up shop in a massage envy. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, this is just, um, uh, you know, because there is no professional entity that practices quote unquote yoga therapy, the way that I have experienced it through my teacher, like it has to be some sort of like piecemeal thing. Like I'm learning what I can learn from my teacher and part of that is manual therapy. At some point, I'm going to need a license. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if at some point every yoga teacher needed a license if they wanted to be giving hands-on adjustments in class. Mm -hmm. I don't think that that's... I, I don't think that that's a great idea. I would uh, very happily fight against such a law, but it wouldn't be surprising to me, especially in the state of Massachusetts. Wait, or, wait, 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 wait. Back up for a second. Why would you fight against that? I would only fight against in, in that it would ask yoga teach like it would put yoga teacher training in the category of like vocational training, which I don't think that it is at this point. Um, yeah, but what if teacher training just said, okay, no hands on? Oh, sure. Then that's great. And what if there were just two kinds of yoga teachers? <laughs> Well, yeah, no, I mean, there's any number of ways to do it. I just don't think that everyone, I don't think that the skills of a manual therapist are the same as the skills of someone who is giving uh, manual assistance within the context of yoga asana. There are similar, there are crossover skills, but touching someone in motion is very different than touching someone on the table. And I would teach that very different, you know, obviously I don't teach people table stuff because it's still a, a fairly, you know, underdeveloped skill in terms of what I can do. But, um, 
you know, th there's crossovers, just uh, information and crossover skills, just in terms of how to touch someone. But I don't think that the two, I don't think that your average everyday yoga teacher needs 800 hours of massage therapy or a thousand hours at a rolfing school or, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be. Like, I don't think that we want to go down that road. Yeah, it would be more useful for it to just be its own thing. Unless they unless they wanted to, of course. There are plenty of yoga teachers who who sort of pursue those paths in parallel and in an intersection, very much like what I'm doing. But um, I don't think that you need to be skilled as a manual therapist in order to be a good yoga teacher at all. Or in order to be a good yoga teacher that provides hands-on assists and adjusts. Yeah. Well, especially if we're talking about, I mean, there's, there, it, it, there's a difference between using contact to communicate proprioceptively and using contact in order to calm the nervous system, to palpate musculature, to uh, potentially even intervene if something is perceived to be, uh, you know, inflamed or, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, uh, that's a very different skill set than just like, hey, can you move your shoulder blade into my hand? Or to make contact in such a way that a person can feel something in a way that they may not have been able uh, to feel either because it's not in their direct line of sight or, you know, whatever the case may be. I just, I think there's definitely crossover and a lot of gray area in between. But, um, you know, one of the things that uh, has come up a couple times um, when I've been thinking about um, the sort of teacher training qualifications group that I'm in with Yoga Alliance is, I'm sure I'm in the minority, but I, I don't actually think that a, I, I don't think that quote unquote assisting should be um, necessarily a ton of time spent on that in an, in an initial teacher training. Huh. Because I think it just leads to, I, I don't know that you can you know, have enough knowledge. Uh, I don't know, maybe someone, someone could teach it that way, but like the, the people who are, who tend to be coming in into teacher training, I find that like, there's a lot of learning that has to go on just in terms of how their own body moves through space. Um, for them to start touching other bodies moving through space. That's a, that's a pretty, that's a, that's a big, that's a big jump. Yeah. I can see the argument being to even present it implies that it's uh, of a, a limited scope. You know what I mean? Like yes. a toe dip is almost more dangerous than no dip. Yes, precisely. Precisely. And, and it may, would make total sense to me that if, if I were to say, look, at the end of a year of study, you'll be able to get in front of the room and talk people through some breathing and moving exercises in a way that is helpful. And then there can be a whole other discussion of the training that then goes into, okay, now let's talk about, now that you can do that with some reliability and you're actively out there practicing that skill on a weekly basis, even if it's just one time a week, then we can talk about, okay, now here's how you might use your hands to um, communicate. Because it's true that there are some people that no amount of words are going to communicate what you're asking them to do. It's absolutely true that sometimes there's someone that I just have to show what I'm talking about in my own body, and then they will pick it up immediately. There are other times where I have to uh, obviously, with some amount of, uh, you know, familiarity with that person, learn that, okay, actually, the thing that I have to do is use my hands a little bit more than I might normally do to communicate what, what I'm asking. Um, that's rarer, uh, but it does happen from time to time.
But I, I think there's nothing wrong with saying at the initial level, verbal instruction is the thing that we're after. Holding space in a room is the thing that we're after. Being able to practice by yourself, for yourself, is the thing that we're after. And then we can build those other skills in on top of that. Um, rant finished. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, and yet, and yet, uh, you know, I don't even know that I'm like interested enough in the top because I'm just going through my own sort of, I'm going to refer to it as a second adolescence. Um, Oh, really? Philosoph, my, my approach to hands-on, like, so initially I loved it advocate of it and now i'm a huge lover of it and think it has no place in the classroom at all <laughs> and i know that i will shift again for me the thing that feels like the smartest most skillful approach for myself and quite frankly for everyone Never for everyone, but for most people, let's say, I, uh, I no, just no. And um, part of that is just because of this particular moment in history we're living in. And part of it is like, I know these conversations are having, we're having in a larger context. I know that people like you are, are on in Skype rooms talking about what's the future. And I think because uh, there are so many important question marks in the air that to me is worth hitting the pause button and saying, you know what? I don't like to, to make big choices about things, uh, you know, without feeling really good about, you know, I need to feel at least 75% sure. And yeah. when it comes to hands-on stuff, I don't feel 75% sure about most people. The exceptions are often the people that, as you mentioned, are already uh, therapists in another field. You know, whether that's um, craniosacral or yeah. massage or something else. They're usually, I don't know. So I'm excited for you in short and I'm really excited to see you, to hear about your experience of this program and how it's, you know, cause you're going to school for so much of the feel goody stuff, <laughs> the feel goody, yum, yum, hands on, yum, yum. Feel goody, yum, yum, hands on, yum, yum. Yeah. <laughs> feel goody, yum, yum school. Yeah. And like, it's, it, I mean, there's also, you know, a huge part of what you're going to learn. That's not feel goody, yum, yum. That's like anatomy and physio. <laughs> anatomy and phys, you know, and like memorization, yes. which is also going to be awesome because so much of it you already know, but yeah. it's, you're, I think we share this in the whole, like, it's just fun to be a student. Yes. Um, yes. I am actually really like, part of me is terrified of the workload that I've gotten myself into. Um, and the other part of me is like, it's only a year. I can totally do it. Like, it's so much different than thinking about like going to grad school or something like that, like committing to like two or three years of work. No, this is just a year. I could do a year. This is absolutely, fine. and I think so much of this you already know. Yeah, you're gonna be like, I disagree with this fundamentally, teacher. Yeah, this is erroneous. Well, I think I think a lot I of think I think joyful. a lot of the benefit of it is just is like it will actually just be the clinical out, like the actual hands-on hours, because it's just rare that. Um, that, uh, like I was saying, and this is, I've thought about this for years, but, uh, when talking with, with Tom about it, I, we've always been sort of unsure that that's the right pathway to go. Um, uh, but I think it was more the realization of like, oh, this is just the thing that gets you the license. And then there will be more things that can be learned from that, but it gives this like baseline of clinical hours that will accelerate what, what we've been sort of fumbling around trying to, to him teach and me learn over the past like 
six eight months um uh and it'll be really interesting to see how how his approach and how the school's approach weave in or like collide with each other um uh so that'll be that'll be interesting but um uh, so you are you assume you're gonna need people to practice on right uh so they have a clinic at the school so <gasps> it's just the i i mean as far as i know i it is, i don't actually know much about the clinical hour setup um other than it it all takes place at the school and you just sign up for like three hour blocks and come in as you as you can yes but you probably can't do that until you've done a little bit in the classroom I, yeah i think that'll i think my understanding is that the clinical hours will start somewhere in the middle of december to the beginning of the new year i'm gonna creep I'm gonna creep on you. <laughs> That's a Cute. sad Cute. song I'm working on. Cute. That's a great song. Thank you. Um. So. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what's going on with me. So uh, here's my question, and you started to talk about it, but how are you planning on, um, you know, doing? Teaching, owning a studio, running teacher trainings, practicing, running workshops. Oh, you want the whole this. you want the whole how, whole layout? How are you gonna do it? Uh, so I've hired a part time studio manager for ten hours a week. Um, I am in the midst of scrambling around like a mad person trying to organize all of my shit before Berkeley and the massage program begins. Um, oh my God, Berkeley. Uh, I am. Um, uh, so the year long course will finish out in December. Um, so I, I had already decided that the training that I'm doing now is really great. And I'm really proud of the work that we're everybody in the group is doing, but needs some refinement in terms of structure. Um, uh, and before I even thought of the massage program, I had pretty much decided that it actually needs to revolve more around a like academic calendar as opposed to a year, like a calendar year. Um, so the next teacher training won't start until September of 2019. Um, so there'll be more sort of like workshops and eight week series type stuff in the spring. So it won't be quite as full on, um, uh, in terms of teaching. Um, and, uh, yeah. And then I just have to, I just, it's just going to be being like super fucking diligent about making sure I have time to practice every morning. That's what it's going to come down to. Otherwise everything will fall apart. <laughs> and is there built in time off? Like when's the next retreat thing? Uh, I DIY? don't, I don't, uh, so I don't have the like official 100% finalized calendar for the program. So I won't be able to make those decisions until like a week before, um, before the, uh, program starts. Cause that's when, when he sends out the final, like, these are the dates they're set in stone. They're not moving, you know? So there's, there's like a month or two off in the summer. There's a, break obviously around the major holidays and and so you know i i think it'll be it'll be doable and and i hope that there's uh um i'll either try to do the um sort of diy retreat spring break of the spring semester at berkeley um 
And if I just have to miss some classes, then I'll just miss some classes and make them up. Uh, or I'll do it like right, right in the like May, June time. But again, this is all contingent upon seeing that final like set in stone calendar. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's good times. I'm. It feels good to have like a clear way forward. Uh, oh, the other thing that was essential is that I finally bit the bullet and had my uh, someone at my accountant's office take over the the bookkeeping because. That, that's smart. That's the other thing that would like totally fuck me over is if I had to do that on top of all of this other stuff. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, that's the plan. And uh... Well, that sounds like an awesome year. And now makes me want to go back to school. I don't know. I think one of the most, yeah, always, always. Every fall, I have a micro crisis. I know that there's other people that experience this too, where you're like, you know what? Maybe I should be embarking on a new <laughs> educational endeavor. Yeah. Just oh. like that. Just like that. Yeah. Oh, oh pumpkin. She wanted the ball. Oops. Oh. oh, there. But now you have it. Yeah. It's very exciting. Um, but, you know, I don't... I just have to remember there's all these, like, free things <laughs> online. You know, yes, there's no sure. need to. Sure. So I need to go and do all the free things and get real clear on... On what you... What, if anything. Because, you know, like, I'm happy professionally. Like, I, yeah. I'm doing... I'm doing it for the most part across the board work I want to be doing, but I just always feel like I thrive when I'm in an organized, uh, you know, even if it's part-time like learning scenario, I like to keep moving my brain forward. Yeah. Does that make sense? No, I, I definitely feel that. Um, I, um, yeah, I definitely feel that. So how are things going over at the, the, the down under yoga. Oh, sorry. I was on mute. That wasn't meant to be a pregnant pause. Oh, things oh, are fine. Think you're are enjoying your classes and your, you know, have, have, do you feel, the... do you feel settled? No, definitely okay. not. I feel more settled, but you know, I, I came at an interesting time in terms of like the seasons. Um, it was the right time because I, I feel in some ways, and you can speak to this, but studios put more, I think in general are more looking to like, well, how are things going in the fall Yeah. and the winter? That is, that is the season, the season of the yogi. So I've had a lot of time, you know, to just kind of get comfy and meet people and, you know, without the, oh, it's fall yeah. um, pressure that's definitely not even put on me like yeah. at all. It's been very supportive and I have that pressure on myself because I know from my experience teaching all the places I've taught, like they don't have to put that pressure on me. Like it's just sort of inherent, like, yeah. And my classes are doing fine, I think. But more importantly, I I, uh, I I dig the other teachers I'm around. And I have been enjoying getting to practice. Like, And I don't mean this to sound like shit talk at all. I really don't. But like, teaching at the same place that Nicole is is awesome for me. Because that's who I love to practice with. So yeah. I... Um, you know, my schedule lines up where I get to take her class and I get to take Michael's class who I really enjoy. And, uh, that is like a massive victory for me because, um, as the schedule was changing at the previous place I was teaching, I wasn't 
you know, with, with a couple of exceptions, like I just, my schedule lined up and the, and the classes that were being offered around me, I wasn't like, yeah. Uh, so I, I, and I like, I, I do, I really like being part of a, of an independent business. Like, yeah, that's very meaningful for me. And I think as this fall in particular kicks in, it'll be interesting to see what more I get to do and, um, how things sort of evolve naturally. But I do know I love, uh, teacher training to bits and it's, uh, it's definitely work that I feel drawn to. And, you know, I saw a post, I saw a post on Facebook today and I forget who it was, but it's a teacher on has been teaching Facebook. for a while on Facebook. Saying. Yeah. And it was like, you, you know, anybody that's, and I've been teaching creeping up on seven years, okay, which is cool. And I, this person was like, you shouldn't be part of a teacher training if you've had under five years. And I thought to myself, yeah, I agree with that. And then I was like, you know what? I don't know that I do now. And is it because I'm on the, I haven't been teaching all that long compared to other people that are doing teacher training spectrum? Probably that's part of it. But there's also a part of me that's like, well, you know, like, do I want to take a teacher training that's been designed by somebody that hasn't been teaching more than a certain number of years? And then I thought, this is because we're assuming that most teachers, that is all that they are bringing to the teacher training is like asana and alignment. Okay. No, but like teacher trainings are so much more robust and cover so many more important topics that like there are tons of people that. I think could meaningfully contribute to a teacher training after teaching for like four years. Do we think that's ideal and we should be seeking that out? No, but I think there's always space for like, like for example, what if you have somebody that is just really good at one particular part of training or has insight because of their previous career, you know? I yeah, just... well, that was the thing that I was thinking about. If, if, if someone's only been teaching yoga asana classes for three years, but before that they were a, you know, physical therapist or a psychotherapist and they wanted yes. to come in and give a talk about, like, transference and countertransference, like, I see nothing wrong with that. Um, yes. That's, I, so that's, I, don't think you, I don't think you can assign a year value to that obviously like and it also depends on what what you're talking about as being a part of a teacher training like there's there's such a wide swath of variations between or not between uh in terms of how teacher trainings are structured um from something like what i'm doing where i am just the teacher there's nobody else really, um, to, you know, people who are doing trainings in more of like a cohort to people who are doing trainings where there's like a director, but then there's lots of sort of like assistant directors, uh, or a, di a couple directors and then some mentors. Uh, uh, I've seen some trainings where it's, they're big enough where like there's the full group, but then there are like basically TAs. So like you might, as a TA might have like five people that you're sort of reviewing with and, and having conversations with. And, and I don't think that's a bad model at all, especially because uh, the person who's directing the training may be so far removed from being a beginning teacher that some of the insights that the, essentially the TAs would have would be more on point in terms of just what it is to be a teacher out there in the world. Um, so I, I think there's yeah. there's any there's any number of ways that you could structure a training and include lessons experienced teachers. Do I think that someone who's been teaching for two years should be out there leading? Well, you know, I'm going to take that back. If we're defining a teacher training as the only thing that a teacher will ever do before they go out there in the world and start teaching then no. But if we're just saying that this is a 200-hour program 
that is teaching people how to lead breathing and moving exercises. I don't necessarily think that the person who is teaching a group of people to lead breathing and moving exercises um, necessarily has to be all that experienced. Now, the person as a teacher, now I would hope that they are quite experienced as a practitioner, and I would hope that whatever they're teaching them to do, that they has been sort of designed by someone who has quite a bit more experience under their belt. I just think there are too many variables, and I think too often we hold the 200-hour teacher training up to the standard of, like, being the terminal degree, to borrow an academic yes. term. It's not yes. the terminal degree by any stretch of the imagination. No, it's the GRE. Yes, it absolutely is the GRE. That's precisely 100% the case. And we have to distinguish between what is a yoga educational experience where people are learning yoga, and then when they're learning to help people with yoga. Those are two different things. Me teaching a group of people how to be effective in front of a classroom is very different than me teaching someone how to be effective in their yoga practice. Because one is having to do very much with individualizing, mm -hmm. and the other is having to do very much with generalizing. And yes, the two can go together, but I feel like there has to be such a strong establishment of the educational process before there can be any discussion about helping um, or even just leading an experience for someone else. Um, but... And, you know, just because a teacher... To go back to a point yeah, yeah, that yeah. you said you know, for the person that's leading a teacher training, just because they have 20 years of experience doesn't mean that they have like a fresh understanding of what it's like to be a new teacher walking into a new market with, you know, arguably consumers that have new demands. Oftentimes we have these quote unquote senior teachers that have a following that is, of a very specific and at times narrow vertical. Sure. So it's somebody that is well respected and thought out and been in the game a really long time. And and I also find that those not not across the board, but those people who have been in the game a long time, um, especially the people that are coming from a like. Either, well, I, yeah, I think it is people who are, are coming from a rather, um, a perspective that is quite highly influenced by Mr. Iyengar. Not Iyengar teachers, but people who come through styles that are highly influenced by them. Not, I mean, it would be remiss in not mentioning Anyasara in that regard. It is still... For a lot of those teachers, some of whom are very skilled teachers, very skilled practitioners, I respect them immensely, but it's still all about the pose for them. It's not about a broader perspective of, of why we're practicing yoga. It's still all about the pose, and that makes sense. It's all about the pose. It's all about the pose. If, if you, you weren't necessarily around for those Anyasara immersion programs that sort of swept the country, but... Holy shit, was that all about the pose. Even when it was couched in tantric jargon, it was just like... Hug the muscle also, to bone and just like fucking... Reverse that thoracic curve. Yes. Reverse it. Reverse it as, as quickly and as strongly as you can. I'll never forget being in... It was like... It was either the first or second wanderlust up at Vermont, up in Vermont, and I think it was me and Brenna Matthews went to take the like basic. It wasn't called basic, but it was because there was an advanced backbending practice that was slated for later in the day. I think we assumed that the just general backbending practice was going to be a safer bet 
for both of us. And I remember walking in there. I'm pretty sure it was Brenna. Um, and like, first thing out of the gate, we're dropping back. This was John Friend's workshop. And he's like Wait, helping. What? Yeah, first thing out of the gate, we're dropping back. Like, hardly anymore. Just, like, squeeze for dear life. Like, do the weird, like, chicken wing thing. Hug your shoulder blades together. Bend your knees, oh, lift no, your heels up wing. off the floor. And just, just crank back. Um, and I was, like, I couldn't, I don't think I could do 80% of what was offered in that workshop. Um, which is fine if you, like say that in the description. <laughs> like, if you were like, be able to drop back, then I'd be like, okay, well, I'm just not going to go to that workshop. That Step workshop's one. not for me, you know? Drop uh, back. But so much of that, even though where, you know, Anyasara has collapsed and, and, and there's, you know, more broad understandings about the benefits of alignment and the, the sort of, uh, what it actually means to be in alignment and, and, and how that word is probably a little bit problematic the way that it's often used, not probably is problematic in the way that it's often used in yoga classes. But I still find there's like an echelon of, of teachers in the like 20, 30 years of teaching range who like it's still all about the pose and there's never the question of why is it important to me that this person can do king pigeon? Or why does it, why, why the marriage to how the shape appears period? Well, I mean, there is with more complex, the, the more complex the form, the more that that becomes, you know, you, there's, there are some, not as many as people say there are, but there is there is some distinct things that are clear rules of biomechanics that your body abides by. They don't necessarily hash out to everyone having the same range of motion or the same structure uh, within the bone joint layer, but like there is some there are some reliable things to know, and you know. If you're doing something that's putting a lot of those actions together, then yeah, there's going to be some quote unquote alignment that needs to be discussed. But when you're not going to the end range of motion and when you're not doing these sort of light on yoga inspired aesthetic uh, uh, view of what, what Virabhadrasana one is or, or, or whatever the pose is, then it can really be a conversation about like, okay, well, what do you feel in the pose? And being able to play with the variables and, you know, lessen the range of motion, deepen the range of motion, explore it as you deepen the range of motion that your choices perhaps become a little bit more restricted. And maybe you decide, oh, actually, I don't really want to be that restricted. Maybe I'm going to shorten up my warrior one so that I actually have some choices in terms of how I'm moving my pelvis, how I'm moving my rib cage, how I'm um, bending or and or straightening uh, my legs to what degree that's possible, etc, etc, etc. So it's, it, I don't want to, I don't want to go down the road of like, if you're going to choose to be zeroed in on the pose, there are some things that are worth being concerned about. But if there's a broader view, then you get to sort of toggle. Is it really important to me today that people know this very specific, minute thing that I can feel in Virabhadrasana 1? 90% of the time, the answer is no. <laughs> but it might be interesting at some point to share that with a student or a group of students who seems to be interested. I, you know, it's just, I, I, the poses are interesting and I find them to be useful, but only insofar as they support my overall sense of wellness. 
And at a certain point, it became very clear that doing King Pigeon was not going to support my overall sense of wellness. So I just stopped giving a shit. Maybe one day I'll change my mind. But I doubt it. <laughs> yeah, and you ran off into the woods with that in a in a beautiful way. I've had only one cup of coffee today, which is surprising. I'm yeah, feeling I've very energized. Um, I guess I just am frustrated with the... I really... I agree with you about there are biomechanical... Um, if we're going to be reductive, there are bio, there are essential actions that yes. happen. Yes. In the that's actually, body. I, I think that's, that's, all a, I mean. that's a, that's a, that's a, uh, that's a good way to put that. But I'm not referring to that when I say what the pose looks like. I, I think that there is an adherence to aesthetics that is masquerading as interest in biomechanical safety. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's what I am done with. I am not only done, I'm angry about because I think it is devoid of compassion. I think it lacks intellectual curiosity and it also, uh, in, it also creates a fertile fairground for body shaming. Yes. And I am in a place where I'm pretty intolerant when I hear other teachers saying, yeah, but what about safety? My gut response nine times out of 10, it doesn't come out of my mouth because I'm a lady is fuck you. Yeah. What about safety? My fat Irish ass. How many people are falling out of Warrior Two and breaking their hip? Do you know what I mean? Like, what are you really saying when you talk to me about safety? Yeah. I don't know. Doesn't it? The knee. What about the knee collapsing in and Warrior? Well, what about it? What, what about it? Well, some of that has to do. I honestly think some of that talk is still assuming that folks are doing a practice akin to Ashtanga where you're doing the same poses every day over and over and over and over again. Yes. And then there's just, yes, yes there, there, there may be some truth to that. Some folks feel the clearest pathway of weight down through the joints into the floor by having the knee right over the ankle. But, you know, I, I don't, I, I maybe do warrior two once a week. If that, <laughs> that's it. Nail on the head. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it, so uh, I think that that is a very good answer that I'm going to put in the back pocket of my dungarees. Oh, cute. The next time it comes up, because that really is it. Like, what are we talking about when we talk about danger? <laughs> and safety. Yes. Yeah. What are we really talking about? Because for me, a more interesting and important form of safety is the emotional one that comes with feeling that something is inherently wrong with yes. your body's appearance, according to a teacher that you may or may not know. That yeah. to me is like, that shit's real. When people come in and get hurt in that way, they don't come back to class. Yeah. Or they don't come back for years, or they're they're you can be shook in a in a very lasting way. Um, so I'm much more interested in these senior teachers addressing that shit. Yeah, yeah. Um. Off my soapbox, stepping off. You're stepping off. You're stepping off. I don't think you've stepped off yet. I think you've still got one toe on the box. I do. 
One toe is always on that box. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Uh, I feel like there was something else I was going to say. Oh, I just was going to say that um, I was in Chicago this past weekend. Um, God, I love that city. Uh, it is delightful. Um, and uh, I, I still don't think I could move there because I really do feel like I need the ocean nearby and Lake Michigan is lovely, but it does not replace. An ocean make? Yes. It does not an ocean make. Um, uh, my brother defended his dissertation, um, which I would like to read the title of to everybody. Um, hold on. Do it. Anisotropic semiconductor nanostructures for display applications. Can you say that again? Anisotropic semiconductor nanostructures for display applications. I don't feel good. <laughs> That's how I felt for the whole hour-long presentation. I was like, wow, I don't, I get this is useful for display applications, as the title says, but I am so lost. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's a doctor now. Well, congratulations. Yeah, yeah. I don't know who was more relieved, my brother or his wife. Um, <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, so... Now what? Oh, what do I you have... even do with that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to let him figure that out. <laughs> I have full confidence that he will find something that he enjoys. Um, but uh, as far as I know, it won't be uh, academia. Um, at least that's what he's expressed to me. So... Um, but yeah, it was, uh, you know, it's always interesting being with family. Um, and this was like one too many, uh, uh, traveling weeks over the summer. Uh, I don't normally like to travel that much. I like to keep that kind of under wraps, uh, cause it just, it really upsets the Vata, Kate. It just, it sends my Vata very much out of whack. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, um, I'm glad to be home in Boston for a good long while. Um, I looked at it, I, I looked at apartment listings at Beachfront Apartments in Revere. Because I was like, we're going to the ocean. I mean, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay. I just got a sign that said poor network connection, and I took it seriously. <laughs> uh, long story short, we live really close to the ocean, and yet it still somehow feels far away. Yeah. And so you were looking at property, apartments. Yeah. I, just, I support that. Something there's just something that happens near bodies of salt water that I agree. I feel so much better. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And life is too short to spend it questioning whether and why one feels better around what one feels better around. True story. Unless of course it's hurting you in which case question it. We could get two little cottages on the water. Yeah. Just mere Mere 20 minute walk from each other. I'd love that. With a sheep, a, sh a sheep, a shared just, sheep. A shared feeling. sheep, just, just one. Just the one. <laughs> well, because more than one would just be, be impolite, really. Would be, would be braggy. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we've covered a lot. And I'm afraid if I bring up another topic that I want to bring up, it'll turn into a two-hour episode. And no one wants that. <laughs> no one needs um, that. 
Do you have any recommendations for folks before we before we sign off? Oh my god! You you mentioned uh, afflicted. Afflicted, afflicted for sure. Not because it's great. I don't think that it is. Uh, but <laughs> just if you're looking for semi pseudo uh, documentaries on Netflix to fill the the gaping hole inside you, that's uh, a good one. Gotcha. I, I'll also assure you that Orange is the New Black this season is terrible, but gets better. Ah, okay. I've, I, ha- I fell off somewhere around the third season. So is this right. like the eighth or something? I don't even know. Okay. Um, but the other thing I want to recommend is it's called House Witch. H-A-U-S Witch. Hold on. And hold it's on. a store in Salem. And I just think that based on some of the things we've been talking about lately, uh, this is one of the coolest stores in the world. And I've yet to go there in person, but I did just spend like an abnormal amount of money on cleaning products because they have all this beautiful uh, homemade essential oil, natural shit there. And it's one of the, just spend some time on their website if you're into that kind of thing, like for all my essential oil loving crystal toting uh tarot card reading friends uh this this store is knocks it out of the park gotcha gotcha um i have uh three 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 recommendations i hope i can remember all of them i think i might have just lost one um so the first one is a book i've been reading by guy branham who some people may know uh he was a uh, writer on both the Mindy Project and Chelsea Lately, um, and has a pod, uh, pop culture podcast entitled Pop Rocket. Wow, that was hard to say. Um, and he has a great book of essays entitled My Life as a Goddess, uh, which I don't think I've ever laughed out loud at a book so much in my life. Um, so I highly recommend that. Um, I also recommend um, uh, uh, my roommate forced me after much reluctance to watch some NBC show called Trial and Error. And I was really because most network shows I like don't it do not make me laugh anymore. It just doesn't. Uh, This show is fucking hilarious. Uh, it's this, we watched the second season. You don't necessarily need to watch the first season to get the second, but the second season features Kristen Chenoweth and she is just a fucking riot in this. Uh, so is Sherry Shepard and, um, a few other comedians you'll definitely, definitely recognize. Um, but, uh, I've been in all of this, like mad organizing for the fall that's been going on. Uh, it's been much needed. Uh, laughter at the end of the day. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. All right. I'll check it's on, it out. The second season is on Hulu. I don't know where you would find the first, but we didn't watch the first and we caught up pretty quickly with the premise. So, um, uh, yeah, it's good times. Um, uh, the other book uh, that I don't haven't read yet, but I'm excited to read uh, because I think this woman is fantastic. Uh, her name is Vivek Shreya, and she has a new book coming out, uh, I think, on Saturday. It technically get, gets released called I'm Afraid of Men. Um, she's a trans woman, uh, uh, writer, and musician. I think she's a professor of creative writing at some university in, in Canada. Um, I'm blanking on which one. Um, but... Uh, I am excited to read this. I have it in my in my pre-order um, uh, thingy in Amazon. So, full of recommendations today. Oh, I like it. Um, All right. Well, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, if there's anything that you'd like us to touch upon or anything weird in social media that's giving you hives, <laughs> send it to us. Yes. Ask us, yell at us, uh, unrolled podcast at gmail.com. I hope that's right. That's correct. Yes. Uh, is the email. Um, we have a Patreon account. If you want to help us with the costs of, uh, maintaining the program, 
And, uh, at some point I'd like to be able to afford a used sports bra. Uh, <laughs> and we're on Facebook and Instagram, but don't worry. We won't spam you. Sometimes we forget the accounts exist. Yes. <laughs> I'm not sure when the last time either of those accounts were used, but. But they're there. They exist. Oh, they're there. Um, yeah, I think that covers it. It does. Until next time. Bye. Bye. Well, that was lackluster. <laughs>